another American Scouser podcast, one of our spotlight podcasts uh, of the official Liverpool Sporter Clubs. And today with us, we have the presidents of the Murfreesboro uh, official Liverpool Sporter Club, J.D. Decker. J.D., thanks for joining us. Hey, Timogen, thanks for having me. Hey, good job on the uh, Murfreesboro thing. Not being from here, that's uh, quite the talent. Well, I'll admit I did Google it. <laughs> so... Uh-huh. I did Google it, and I did see a lot of posts of angry Murfreesboro locals getting mad at people mispronouncing it. So I have to make sure before we get started here. So, <laughs> so let's start with you, JD. Um, are you originally from the area? I am from the uh, Middle Tennessee area. Yeah, I grew up about, uh, let's say, about 60 miles from here, uh, right at the Tennessee-Kentucky border, and then moved to Murfreesboro for work back in 2002, and never left. So at this point, you could almost from here, what, 20 years almost in one spot. Oh, yeah. So, about <laughs> so life. I, let me start by like asking, I guess, how you guys got started. When did the group officially, like, I guess, become official? Um, how about a little background before? It? Sure. So sure. back in, early, well, let's say late 2011, early 2012, um, Actually, I, start, I was trying to pick up uh, like uh, some new hobbies and whatnot, and I, I realized I never watched uh, football, our version of football before, ever. And so, um, so I was looking into it, um, seeing like what it was about, trying to understand, for God's sake, like offside, which was brutal for me for the longest time to learn even the simplest things like that. Um, then I started... Uh, once I started, you know, got the concept of the rules, I began to, for my club, who did I want to support? Who did I, you know, I want to invest my time in? Um, was the end of that season, was it? Um, the year Bayern Munich won Champions League, 2013, I believe. Um, so I was watching a little bit of that. And I remember they uh, they won the Champions League final, but I, I was German. So I was like, should I be excited about this? And I wasn't. It was just like watching any other match. I'm like, okay, well, that's not who I want to follow. So then I, I uh, started studying Premier League, and I went club after club, learning as much as I could about the clubs. Um, and then in August of 2013, I was uh, quite the charming guy who could not get a date on a Saturday night to save his life. Um, and so I stumbled across the uh the being liverpool documentary do you remember that one with brennan rogers yeah okay. i do remember watching that actually so yeah it probably right about the same time yeah so i uh so it was in rerun form so i sat down on a saturday night um and watched all six hours because that's what i felt like losers did on saturday night you lay down <laughs> in your living room floor and he watched tv all night nothing wrong with like, that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know having a beer eating a bag of cheetos like a Yes. And so, so that's what we did, or I did. And so, and then next day, Liverpool had a match because this was these were, these were reruns, and I recognized some of the players. And so that's actually what started getting me hooked. I was like, okay, well now I know a who this person is and why they either are playing well or not playing well or whatever. So I was like, okay. So I, I said, well, I'm going to start to learn a little more about that particular club. And then I, um, as I kept studying. I learned about Hillsborough. Um, and let me just say for the record, I will never, ever understand 
the level of pain that you know people went through with that i have total respect for that i could, can't even fathom what that was like for the family back then but i fell in love with the club at that time i fell in love with them because there was an attachment there that that club felt like a family where other clubs say a man city are completely manufactured i felt like that was my so at this point i immersed myself in the history of the club and everything about the club and um, just completely immersed myself in everything lfc well then that summer they came to tour the state and in, in 2014 I went to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina to watch them play. Stumbled across a friend of mine who became a friend from Washington, D.C. His name was Martin, and he was there by himself. I was there and um, didn't know anybody either, so we just hit it off, started chatting. Well, after that, we became friends. He started visiting during 2015 season once it got rolling. He would come about once a month, and we would go to random bars to um, watch these matches wherever we could go to get in. Um, the very last match of that season, we went to a pub in Nashville, downtown Nashville, called Street. And uh, it was, every match was on, the, they had every match on the television because, you know, the last match of the season, they're all on at the exact same time. So we're watching um, ours, and I just thanked them on Facebook for letting me come, you know, be a part of that that day, because I've, ne- I've never witnessed anything like that, where, you know, thousands of Americans and are sitting in there watching. Existed, and then that's when the uh, Nashville cop, they replied to it and said, "Hey, do you know that we have a group in a, in a suburb of Nashville?" I was like, "I didn't even know this existed." <laughs> so, I'm serious. I had no. I didn't know that there were gatherings like this because I was still, you know, relatively new to it. So we went down uh, in August we went and visited with them and they, it was crazy. There were a hundred or more LFC fans in this pub. And I was like, this is insane. I didn't know that I had no idea that something like this would happen. All I ever knew was like freaking football and tailgating, you know, and drinking at the bar and then, but I didn't know there was an English version of it where you did it for breakfast. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Nothing beats a Guinness breakfast or a shot of Jack Fire as it would be for our group. Um, so we uh, we watched with them, um, and I liked what they did, but the drive was pretty far for us, for for me and uh, Martin especially. It, was, it took us you know, almost an hour to get to them. So I was like, okay. And then so I started posting is in my garage at my house i would watch martin would watch i had a couple of friends that were a little bit into it i would bring them over and we would just watch in my garage with the sun coming up people would show up like in their pajamas because they didn't want to get dressed they didn't know what was going on and then um i found a, a local bar where it's about a mile from my house it's just your uh, traditional american food they open at 11 normally but I was a bit of a regular there. And I was like, hey, I have this idea that I learned a while back. I was like, we bring people together. They watch football. They're only here for a couple of hours. You can sell alcohol, make a ton of money off of it. And we're in and out before you even open. Well, they would let us in starting at 9 o'clock for 9 o'clock matches. So 
in the early mornings, we would watch the matches at our garage. After 9 a.m., we would watch over at Toots, as it was called. Would, uh, we would head over there, and they thought that it was only going to be like four or five people there, and they were our friends, and so talked them into giving us uh, beer deals, drink deals, uh, free appetizers, and they thought it was just their friends. And it started off that way. It started off with just three or four people. And so, uh, and our club was different because I knew that there were a lot of people, especially in this area, that weren't watching football at all. But I knew that people love to drink. And in, if there's anything you know about friends and family, if you offer them alcohol, they will show up. That's <laughs> a way of life for anybody. Alcohol fixes everything. That's been my thing. That doesn't, that sounds very alcoholic to say, but. I believe that it actually fixes a lot of issues. It makes a lot of them go away temporarily. So we would, uh, I would bring people in, friends of ours who had never watched at all. And I'd get them in there, tell them because we had cheap beer and free food. And they're like, okay. So they would come and I would tell them, I said, if you show up three times, you will, uh, you'll be hooked. Cause my theory was the first time you show you're like, Hey, there's a football match on in the background, but, you know, I'm eating for free and drinking for cheap. Why not? By the time you come for your second time around, you start to recognize some of the same people, some of the same players. And at the third time, you're arguing over as Hendo, the greatest captain ever or the worst midfielder ever, which people do today. So, and that's, once we got them on their third visit, we hooked them. And then the, uh, the growth was tremendous after that we we started putting up some decorations in the uh in the restaurant we had to um we had to teach people the rules and i we taught people the rules of football only through lfc that way that was the only team they watched that's the only team they learned so they would learn to fall in love with that club while learning the rules of the game so early early days of ours we would have the 10 12 people at the match only three of them maybe were LFC supporters, if you would, from day one. And the other eight or nine were people trying to learn and drink, you know, on the cheap. And so this was fun. Well, forward um, through rapid growth, we start moving along. And then around, when was it? Yeah, 20, uh, see, yeah 2018, we, uh, or May 2017, I'm sorry. We were, the garage got too small. We were having 20 people in my garage. It was too cramped. And so I had to find another option for the mornings. And um, I don't know if you've ever been through this or not, but this is, uh, Murfreesboro is just a college town. There's not, uh, other than like a hotel bar or a brunch location, you're not going to find anything that is open at 6 a.m. in the morning. It's just it's hard to find. But I did. I took a place called Party Fowl. It's a hot chicken restaurant in Murfreesboro. Found them. They technically didn't open until 10, but they were new in town, and, uh, and it was a family-owned uh, establishment. And I sold them the same thing. And they are like, so you're saying that you're going to bring 20 people in here at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., we open at 10 and you're going to be able to sell like a couple of thousand dollars worth of drinks and food in two hours. And I was like, yeah. And it, to them, it was a no brainer. So they're like, okay, we'll give. Back. 
So finally, we had them. So now we had two restaurants in one city. We had two party foul. The early matches and the weekday matches, we did party foul. The regular time slot, the 9s, 10s, 11s on the weekends, went to toots. Then, lo and behold, it keeps growing. 2018, we were averaging almost 40 people a match at toots at this point. And they originally were like a family restaurant, that type of thing. Well, they came up to me and they said, well, uh, too many people, it's too loud, all that kind of used at the time i was like but this is a i'm bringing you customers i don't understand and we were singing and learning chants and all that crap but we were never rude or anything at least i didn't think we were anyway so we got too big for them and then um so that thanksgiving night i think well thanksgiving eve of 2018 we went into toots right when they were closing we had uh, banners we had scarves we had decor everywhere we it all down we took it all to party foul and then that black friday we put it all back up and we moved over to party foul full time in 2018 and that's our home now we've had uh 40 63 85 82 we had 85 for the champions league final and so it's exploded over there the entire right it's match style building the entire right side of the building has liverpool decor everywhere we have uh Ian Rush, we have uh, King Kenny uh, autographed kit, framed kits that flank the big TV. We have scarves from other clubs. We have a banner we have that every time you show up for the very first time, we take our halftime picture. When you show up for your very first time there, you at halftime, you sign the banner. And our theory was you're not uh, a guest anymore. You're part of our family. And now we're on our second banner because we've had over 500 different signatures of people who have shown up at least one time to our matches and so this is the longest winded answer ever of how we became official by the way <laughs> <laughs> so, it helps it just eliminated a bunch of myth questions so where's for me <laughs> so we uh um the crazy part is like the bigger we got we we were very aggressive on um on our social medias our facebook twitters instagrams all of that mess we were very aggressive with that once we, we started picking up, you know, LFC supporters are. They are everywhere. We all know this now. Look at your site, for God's sake. You can see it. There are, they're everywhere. And so the, big, the less and less it became having to teach the rules, and we were our hard supporters. And so now if we have 30 people at a match, we'll still have five or six from our toots days. But the other five, these are people that found us through social media and we exploded from there. So then we um, chatter started. It actually started last season for us, two seasons ago. Chatter started about how to become official. And um, I was a little nervous about it, to be honest, because, A, everything I've done, you know, that we've done with this club, it's been like dropping baby on its head, right? Like, we don't know what we're doing. We just keep figuring it out and hope that everything comes out, put a Band-Aid on it if we have a boo-boo and keep going. But we don't actually know what we're doing. And so we went from this club that had, you know, four or five people and they're all just buddies to a club where people wanted to know, like, how do we become official? Let's become official. And so we, we looked into it two years ago. I pushed it back for a season only because I didn't think we were quite ready for it. And then we applied this past season 
got all of the uh, full memberships and light memberships and international memberships that we needed. And we applied and um, told them about our club, had our interviews. We, uh, we did a lot of charity work. We've done a different charity every year. So far this year, we raised over $3,000 for Greenhouse Ministries. Is, uh, they feed and clothe the homeless. Uh, they teach people who just got out of jail give them education to work with them get them jobs it's a local charity so we were t- we were interviewed about that and somehow some way this small town about 40 miles southeast of nashville that's off the interstate no real airport to speak of no other reason to be here other than college and we have an official super club in the middle of murfreesboro tennessee it's been a wild ride <laughs> it's been a wild ride but here we are and so that's interesting. I'm going to have to say that's probably like the most unique story I've heard because it almost looks like it started as an alcohol group and then it formed into it like is, a Liverpool group. It, really. but, it, it, is, is, it, is, it is still an alcohol group. We, we, we wear that as a badge of honor. Are you kidding me? So we do, we do, uh, we, I started a really stupid tradition at, very early on in our matches where we would do a shot of uh, Jack Fire. So Jack Daniels whiskey is made about 30 miles from where we are right now. Lynchburg, Tennessee is only about 30 miles from Murfreesboro. And so that's a that's a local drink. We used to tell people that as babies, we didn't get milk bottles. They just gave us Jack bottles like right away. So we just started drinking Jack as kids. And so we, um, we started doing, I realized one day, like we did a shot for good luck, you know, superstition. And I can't do regular Jack, so I do jack fire the cinnamon one so we started doing that well that tradition stuck like i can believe and now every match we've done it now for this is our what, fourth year together total we've done it before every single match and over half of the group does it every time so much so that uh the restaurant will two or three bottles in the freezer because they know we're coming the next day that kind of thing and you'll have people start to ask when it gets two to three minutes away from kickoff, where's the Jack fire? Where's the Jack fire? So yes, we are alcoholics, but we do love our Liverpool and we have a, a very expensive tradition that accidentally started before every match. <laughs> so is, was it a challenge to kind of like attract new fans initially, like before you hit the social media? Cause I mean, it sounds kind of like the social media for every group I've talked to that's really the kicker. That's one kind of like almost a tipping point is when they become active on social media. We, we, we used a lot of word of mouth early on. Um, we, once I put up, um, let's, let's say, I'll say we acquired, I won't say we stole because who knows who's going to listen to this. We acquired a giant banner in Charlotte, North Carolina, official home Liverpool supporters club. It happened to be at the city center where they were, there was a meet and greet, legends and not and we witnessed a guy try to steal one of the banners and the police ran after this guy they tackled him and the next thing i looked behind me and my friend martin was handed to me that i acquired um jumping an uber (laughs) take an uber back to the hotel store the banner (laughs) and then come back to uh to the party with everybody else right well i put this banner up uh at toots our original home and so to answer your question about how we recruited people, I love how these long-winded answers are not <laughs> – every answer has a story so far. Anyway, so we, we acquired this banner. I put it up at Toots, and then 
we had a couple people come in who uh, they would recognize it. And if they were Liverpool supporters, they would ask the bartender, be like, what is this? And so they'd be like, oh, they have Liverpool matches here. And so we picked up people that way. I picked up uh, a couple uh, that was dating. He's from Sheffield uh, in the UK. And uh, he's a, a Liverpool supporter. And he lives in Murfreesboro. And he's like, wait, you watch matches here? He's been watching them on his couch. And so then he, he would show up. Um, so that was just from our signs. So originally we started growing. Yeah, it was simply a word of mouth. Um, if you can put up anything in your pub, if you have one, that's Liverpool related, you never know what customer is going to walk in and see it and then ask questions, right? And so that's how originally we started it. And then you would have, um, you know, and they would tell their friends and whatnot, especially if they were Liverpool supporters. And early on, that's what it was. We were booming just from our growth. We were doubling every year the number of people that would show up. And a lot of it had to do just with putting, you know, a couple of pieces of signage or something in your pub. It was wild that part of it how it started and going back to the social media because i mean this is something i get asked frequently uh from people who are trying to become official or trying to kind of like get bigger get more people attracted i mean aside from obviously just creating a group and like the basics any tricks to the trade anything you've done i mean your area is kind of unique because there's already i mean there are some uh, there are other groups within like a very close distance but uh, any tricks to the trade in terms of things you did to get people's attention uh, that maybe, you know, didn't even know about the pub or the location or anything at all? We were uh, we were pretty active in the community. Um, we, we I thought that the, it would be um, uh, naive of us to not have 20 or 30 people get together every weekend and, and not do something for good for the community out of it other than just hang out and watch football and so we were pretty active within as far as uh, uh charity work like i said we we are very uh three years ago we did a, a middle tennessee autism school here in town we we uh, did raffles raised money for them uh donated all the profits to them um and so we were active so then people would start to see that we, uh, last year, we did Boys and Girls Club, uh, Rutherford County, which is where Murfreesboro is. We did uh, that one. Um, we actually met two Liverpool supporters that worked there that didn't know that we existed. Um, so we were active in that. Uh, this year, with the Greenhouse Ministries I spoke of earlier, that one actually, that one got the paper, uh, that got the paper's attention. So then there was a newspaper article about our club. And so now everyone within... Uh, radius knew exactly who we were and where we were and we picked up people from that so yeah other than the obvious social and you know attracting people that way and recruiting and hoping that they click a search for liverpool and murfreesboro that is what you're talking about that's every club does that but you got to get out in the community people got to know who you are they got to see you and we did it that way too so yeah we were very aggressive as far as how we recruited and the direction we were very focused on it. We knew what we were doing in that direction. So, yeah, we were very, very active in the community, it's, and we still are. And I think in the beginning, obviously, it's, you know, it's, I mean, everything related to this is mostly, you know, volunteer work anyway. Um, so it's kind of like varying levels of input. But, I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot, does it? I mean, how many people would you say is a good starting point 
uh, in terms of like getting the word out and stuff, when should a group say, hey, we can do this? Um, you know, really, it, if just even if it's just four or five people, because even because if you're dealing with a, a pub or a restaurant, especially um, that is not used to our lifestyle of the early mornings and whatnot, they'll actually, especially if you know somebody that works at those, um, or, uh, you know, if you know the bartender or you're friends with the one of the assistant managers or something, just get four or five people together on a random Saturday morning and all go watch together and have a good time. And then they see how much uh, fun it was. And, you know, obviously you're giving them money, right? I mean, you're paying them to to be there. And, and every restaurant likes sales, at least I assume they do. And so you, uh, you can start really small. We did. Our very first match, we had four people total. It was me and Martin. Uh, my friend Dan and another friend of ours, and that was that's all we had when we began ours. And then, yeah, it, but it's funny how it works, though. You know, like we were saying, the social, the word of mouth, just getting your foot in the door somewhere. If you have the passion for it, it'll grow. It, you can see it all across the country right now with all the different supporters groups here in the states. All it takes is getting your foot in the door and a little bit of passion. It, it's been trying, but I would never say it was difficult. But it has been trying at times. And it, so let's talk about that a little bit. Like, when has it become, in, you know, the way you put it is like trying. Like, what are, is it like specific challenges or is it more like a lack of time or like assistance in growing it? Like, what were the issues that you kind of came across? I would say expectation, right? Because you, um, I would say the majority of every club that, that we have that's an official supporter club it started somewhere and it started small with a few individuals that part's probably the same across the board so you you would have a let's let's use your your podcast for example you have a you have a certain level of expectation because you have a certain level of heart in your product correct and so you you have a certain level of expectation that you believe everyone should have because of the expectation that you have for yourself so by trying, like early on, you a to get into somewhere, but you would have four or five people say, "Yeah, I'll be there," and then they don't show up because it's so early in the morning, or they just don't. And so you have a certain level of expectation of what you would, how you think it should grow, and so that would be difficult. And so early on, especially if if I told a restaurant, "Hey, I'm going to bring 20 people here Saturday morning." And only 11 show up it may look bad at first but like i said but once the growth hits and once you um once you make that transition that hump takes a little while but once you get over that hump and then you just don't pay attention to that stuff anymore facebook now we may have eight people say they're going to the mat and we'll have 35 show up but back in the day when it first started you could say okay it said 12 people are coming and six would show up that's what I would define as trying the level of expectation that you have for yourself or your, your club at first, you have to temper that a little bit because you're excited. It's like the Super Bowl every weekend. You think it's just going to explode right away. <laughs> it, it never does. Or it didn't. Yeah, it definitely like sounds familiar because it's almost like, you know, like, you know, the challenge we face, you know, with the website and the podcast ourselves. So definitely sounds familiar. Um, so you guys are in a unique situation there. I mean, that's I, I find it very odd where uh, I mean, we have some major cities with no official group, whereas you guys have 
three official ones now in Tennessee, correct? We have uh, one, two, three. I'm not sure if Knoxville is. I know Nashville, us, Murfreesboro, and Chattanooga are. I don't know if Knoxville is or not, and there's supposed to be a smaller group in Memphis, too. So all of the major cities in the in the state have a supporter club of some kind, and I know for a fact three of them are official. Uh, us and Chattanooga became official this year. And so that is that I find really odd because, I mean, it's almost like, is there a lot of, like, overlap? I mean, do you guys uh, do a lot of activities together or at least have some kind of you know, the people who are in your Facebook group are more than likely in the other Facebook group as well, or do you find them to be separate despite, you know, the close proximity? What I would say was, let's say, um, hypothetically, each Facebook group has 400 people, right? You probably have 20 or 30 from all the other groups that may be in yours. Um, so th- each of them knows what's going on. They're very, um, the unique thing about our uh, especially, let's say Nashville would be the best example, which, by the way, shout out to uh, Chris Unick, Jonathan Slape. Um, those guys, they do an amazing job. They, Oh, man, their club, it's fantastic. And they're sitting right next to the airport. Those guys, they have it made. Um, that's a joke, Chris. So, um, But um, like our two clubs, we kind of look at them almost as sister clubs, if you would. Um they're very helpful. When we do our charity events every year, um, they always pitch in. They'll donate products, whatever. Um, Nashville, unfortunately, had the tornado through recently. Um, our groups pitched in. We sent a ton of water, uh, dried goods, all that type of thing to them. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a little bit of some rivalry to it because I feel like that would be natural. But it's definitely family type environment and it is very unique in our system because we know that others around exist around us but also i think it's a compliment to the leadership of those clubs because as you said there's a cluster of them fairly close together relatively anyway and that doesn't happen unless you have you know a pretty solid direction and fantastic leadership and these groups have been blessed i believe with people that are going in the right direction at least i think that's how it is I mean, yeah, I mean, it sounds like because they have to be the driving force, don't they? I mean, as the, you know, I mean, you're the president. You guys have like a, the board. I mean, they kind of have to be the catalyst and kind of keep driving it forward. I noticed some uh, groups kind of keep that momentum going uh, even after they become official and stuff and they keep growing. And let's face it, I mean, with the current success and the quality of the team we have, obviously the club is more popular than ever. So you should in some ways make it easier to kind of grow right now right this is by far the easiest time to grow it's not even close i mean you have a you have a winning product you have damn near invincible product right on the pitch you have uh so you have quality football to go along with good times and so yeah it's not like you're 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 recruiting back you know a handful of years back seven eight years ago when they're finishing eighth ninth whatever and this is the easiest time in the world to to grow a club as far as if that's the direction you want to go. I would agree. And does being in a college son help or like kind of like hurts uh, putting the group together? I mean, just because I would think there is a lot more interest because I feel like the younger generation has a lot more soccer exposure. So 
they're more soccer fans in the younger generation than obviously in the older generation, I think. Uh, but aside from that, there are constantly people who are probably coming and going because they yeah. go back and stuff. There is a there is a fluctuation of our crowd occasionally where we'll have some college students, some not. Um, our biggest obstacle was simply that we're not. I mean, I don't want to say not a major city. It's a, it's a fairly large city that we're in, but like our growth had to come naturally. Like we didn't that that base wasn't there because we didn't have the travel. Like for instance, a a, a club that's sitting somewhere near a major airport you know you have random visitors all the time the majority of our people that show up you know them we all know each other we're all friends at this point so our our group is very uh, we have a very very solid core of uh in our group we hang out together outside of matches we know each other we're like family and so ours our core is that way but as far as the actual college impact we really haven't seen a, a lot of from that we do have some college students that like i said that show up but we don't have an overwhelming majority of it because even when the college is out our numbers are pretty steady at this point because it's quite a bit of adults in ours so not too much of an impact no and so i mean how do you guys in some ways aside from like the charities and stuff i mean keep things fresh if you will i mean like kind of like to increase the newcomers is it just like kind of word of mouth takes care of itself now with the facebook group kicking in people probably just like you know sharing it with each other linking each other it's kind of i mean have you had to take your foot off the gas pedal or is it kind of like still have to go heavy promotion to keep the interest growing that's interesting question we when we became official we saw an immediate boost in our uh, attendance numbers immediate we we probably averaged about 15 more people per match right away and so that was uh because you know a lot of your supporters in the area like i said they may not know about you but they do follow liverpool they follow lfc they're on liverpoolfc.com they're they're on the american scouts or which you know early on we made sure that you had us on the map on your map and so that actually helped us quite a bit we um we've never really deviated as far as taking our foot off the gas as you would say we don't we're not um as a whole we're never happy we want to make sure that we reach out to everyone that we possibly can reach we want to make sure that every support we don't even we have support other clubs that'll come and watch at our place because we're the only thing in town if you go to a, a major city, a Chicago or a Nashville or any of those, you know, there are supporter clubs for all the big six and then some, right? There's plenty of them. Well, in Murfreesboro, it's us and only us. So we've had Tottenham supporters and Atletico support recently. And uh, God, I didn't know there was such a thing in Murfreesboro, but we had a Man City supporter recently. It shocked me. I didn't. <laughs> so like one guy? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We thought maybe he was lost or someone gave him the shirt from Goodwill, but he was there. And so we, we let him stay. Um, and we had, uh, there was a, apparently there's a Manchester United group somewhere here in town. We heard. And then they tried to go to a party foul to see if they could come in. And I remember telling the owner, I'm like, hell no, do not, I was like, we're not sharing our pub with anyone. They can find his own damn pub. I'm not putting all this work in just so somebody can come ride our coattails. So they told the man, you, they told the man you grow, no, they're like, no, hit the, you're not coming in here. 
So they, I don't think they have a home still. Maybe they're in somebody's garage right now, but piss on them. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, what do you guys uh, have? In, I mean, what can somebody expect who is in your area, uh, comes to the pub to watch a game? Uh, what can they expect from you guys? So uh, the big thing is, like, we um, we're very welcoming as far as you, you would see um, – that either uh, any of our board members and frankly at this point the majority of our members when you walk in the doors the first thing you're going to see is there's a shit ton of lfc stuff all over the place it'll be on all the tvs with full sound but you're uh, before you can get two or three feet into the door someone is going to come up to you and tell you hey hello nice to meet you how's it going your first time here you you'll feel welcomed immediately it's not we've we've worked very hard at making sure that it's not a cliquish group at all none of no one in our group is that way we want to make sure that it's a it's a family environment we're very proud of who we are we're very proud of where we come from but you can never take that pride and and let it go to your head you can't suddenly look at your club that started in a garage and now has 60 people at a match and pat yourself on the back and be like we did it and then Timothy shows up for a match and no one says hello to you. You sit at a back table, you watch and cheer and no one ever greets you or says, welcome to our club. We don't, our club doesn't work that way. Not at all. We, uh, we want to make sure that every person that shows up feels important and every person that shows up to us is important and they remain important. And then the bigger we get, you know, you may not be greeted the exact same way every time, but you understand the value of our club and what it means to us. And so we, you just join in with the rest of us. And when somebody else shows up, you greet them, tell them hi, make sure they have a good seat, make sure they have a beer, and you go from there. We've always been that way. And that's really helped our growth, too. I think we've always been very welcoming to I mean, I make the joke about the city guy, but we weren't mean to him. We let him come watch. But at the same time, I mean, even if it's somebody from another club, I mean, they're, they're there for the same reason you're there. They're there to watch the football. They're there to enjoy the environment. If they don't like the same club you don't like, I mean, that's okay. But it doesn't change who we are. We will always be welcoming to we've that ever, ever deviated from from that style of growth and it's really helped us grow rapidly in a pretty short amount of time i think that's pretty cool actually because i i mean i think i asked uh, chris unit when we had the podcast as well i mean do you find that as a challenge i don't know like your guys major base but i know obviously the recent success of the team brings a lot of new fans and not necessarily like i don't want to you know put them all as a bandwagon fan category because you know some will be lifelong fans they're just new to the game new to premier league or whatever the case might be uh and i do sense you know you see it in the groups you you know like you read it in the comments there is this the people who suffered the 30 years (laughs) kind of like resent the people who kind of like jump on the board sometimes and like just like celebrate the championship because they have not i mean the value to them obviously is never going to be the same because they didn't suffer the 30 years which i can totally understand but do you Correct. find that challenging to find that balance of, you know, new fans being introduced that are like really, really new fans, not just new to the, you know, to the group or to the like to the pub, uh, but just new to the club altogether? Have you found that as a challenge? Because it happens in some groups and doesn't happen in others, I think, based on, you know, the people you already have existing in the group. 
No, I, you know, not really. We welcome that with open arms, to be honest. Um, everyone at some point started off as a new a new fan or a new supporter, and I and I guess you could say how we interpreted "You'll Never Walk Alone" in our group was that it, we don't care your background, we don't care what you came from, we don't care your politics, religion, all that crap. We don't care if you've been watching for 30 years. And you're right, the pain and struggle they've waited for this, uh, totally understandable. Versus even me, who's only been watching for seven, eight years, I get it. Um, but no, that's not at all. If anything, that's you should welcome that with open arms. You should be excited because that's someone else who will learn to fall in love with the club the exact same way you did. That's someone else that'll be, you know, one of your closest friends at some point. Someone else who's going to help you when you reach out to the community and give back. That's someone else who's going to learn to love. You'll never walk alone and preach it to their friend down the road. Absolutely not. You should. No one should ever, I mean, I get it. I get that part of it. I understand why people could be uh, jealous, for lack of better words, or think that it's a bandwagon or fake or whatnot. But no, absolutely not. Anybody who, who shows, anybody who's, who's brave enough, even if they're new to the sport, and you're walking into a bar with 40 or 50 people that you don't even know, and they already love it, and you don't know anything, Right. And you're just there meeting a bunch of strangers, learning about it or watching a team that you just started watching a year ago. Now, if anything, they're nervous I and mean, we should be more accommodating to them. So I have no problem. None. If anything, if you're brand new and listen to this, come to the borough. <laughs> we'll let you in. <laughs> Join us. We don't mind. Yeah, I mean, that's that's great to hear. I, I, I mean, I can't agree more. And I think that's I mean, I find that challenging sometimes to just like watch from far away and kind of like sometimes have to intervene because I feel like you can push away a lot of long term potential fans with like a negative approach as opposed to welcoming them in. Yeah, they might be new and they might be bandwagon. Maybe these, you know, maybe it's like the city, dude. They just found the jersey. But, uh, you know, most of them knowing how special this club and its fans are you would think they're gonna end up being lifelong fans kind of like you ended up being just kind of like a slight interest looked into it more fell in love i mean those are kind of like the phases that pretty much every fan goes through yeah I think so too and like i said i i totally understand the pride aspect of it i get it i just it would not never float in murfreesboro that would not go over well amongst the board so no we're we're excited to have literally anyone that shows up we we always welcome people. Open arms every time. Awesome. Hey, JD, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate the time. Uh, I don't know if you had anything special you wanted to cover regarding the group or potential members or anything like that. I kind of like leave the floor to you at the end to see, I mean, if there's anything like special you would like to share. Uh, not really. Uh, I have a couple of things. One, um, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to speak about us in little old Murfreesboro. There will be people like Googling Murfreesboro now trying to figure out A, how to spell it, and B, where the hell is it? And so that's fine. And then, um, but I did want to give a, a thanks to a handful of people, if you didn't mind, just because oh. I know this is an interview with JD, but I am not, uh, I, I'm not the club. The club are, is, is the people that I'd like to mention. And so that's what I just want to give a, a shout out, if you would, for lack of better terms. To oh, a, by all means, go ahead. Uh, uh, 
So first of all, uh, Amy Kate, she is uh, she runs the official club in Carlsbad, California, by the way, outside of San Diego. She's also a part of the uh, USA Cop. Um, she was instrumental in helping us with uh, every time um, that we were learning and when we fill out our applications to be official. Um, everything right down to the tickets to the last match I went to the turned out to be the last Premier League match by the way the Bournemouth match she helped me with that um, but anytime I've had any question whatsoever I could lean on her uh, to help me out same with Chris Eunuch if I had any question at all about because they were official the year before us he always answered every question that we had uh, the owner of Party Foul Austin Smith He's great to us, by the way. If you remember from Nashville, Nashville was also at a party foul. They loved us so much here. And then Nashville was looking for a home when, unfortunately, their pub closed. I made one phone call. I was like, Austin, you, he's like, dude, get them in here. And so now we have the party foul tied in with Liverpool. And they're looking at expanding their franchise now. And they're looking, and every time they look to another city, he'll call me and go, is there a supporter club there? So I'm like, okay, I'll look into it. So they've completely bought in. Um, A friend of mine who lives in Liverpool, he's actually a steward at Anfield, uh, Dave McGrady. He does uh, so much of our website stuff, anything from LFC Murfreesboro on Facebook and our groups. And that's pretty much always him that's doing it. I've met him only twice in person ever. Uh, had a great time with his family uh, a couple of weeks ago. But, I mean, this is to talk about reach. This is a guy who works there, and he helps us all the time. So I've been blessed with that type of help. Um, We have uh, a total of five people on our board. We keep an odd number on purpose, by the way. So if we vote, majority wins every time. So there you go. Here's some advice for some of y'all. Always keep an odd number on your board. But uh, (laughs) – I'm telling you, it's come in handy a couple of times. But uh, like Tyler Atkins is on our board. Tyler does all of our graphics. He does all of our event invites. Uh, I think you're probably also noticing I don't do anything at this point. So Tyler does all of that. Uh, I was trying to Devin put the pieces together, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of an overseer at this point. I, I'm. Uh, they're going to all figure out how dumb I am eventually, so I'm trying to hide it with help. And so we... Uh, but Devin Jensen, he does all of our uh, all of our songs, all chants, our environment within the match day. That's all Devin. Uh, Mike Rutledge is kind of a like a right hand man for me. He helps. He makes sure that people get greeted, all that kind of thing. Uh, Solo Dolo, that's his nickname. He's uh, he's literally like the right hand guy. He deals directly with Liverpool FC. He's uh, an understudy, if you would. He someday will most likely replace me whenever I'm tired. Uh, of course, Martin, who helped me start several years ago. And we even had a team chef. All of those matches that were in the morning, eight in the morning, where we couldn't get food. Uh, Greg Marin, we have a professional chef. He would make breakfast for us. Nice. So, yeah, we loved it. Um, Alicia Weiss over at Anfield. She's been very helpful with us. Every time we've done our charity work, she's gone above and beyond to donate to us. And then lastly, my uh, fiance, Dimitri, if I didn't give her a shout, when we first met, I told her, I was like, you know, I, I have this thing. I watch a lot of football, Liverpool, and I work with this club. It's, she's like, so you watch it all the time. I'm like, yeah, I watch it all the time. Like I get up at five in the morning and she's, you know, how it is. she's like, you can't watch it that much. 
and then like after a year and a half, he's like, "Oh my God, you watch this show?" Yeah, I was like, "This is my life." But now she's got her crush on Mosala and that kind of thing. So I'm like, "Okay, it worked." But at first, I think it. She was like, "I thought he was just fucking with me. He really does do all this." And so, so I have to give her props because she stuck around and even agreed to marry me someday. So bless her. But yeah, so that pretty much covers the people. I probably left out a couple, but those people. Uh, the world or our club and it's our club we it's not a i thing it's not a anything like that it's we we built a family we really have we built a family and it takes a lot of work and you're going to be pissed early on for those who are considering doing it it's going to suck it's going to be like you said it's trying because what you expect and what happens in reality is not the same at least not at first and we expect to keep growing so by all means if you're anywhere in and around Murfreesboro, find us. Find us on Facebook, LFC Murfreesboro. Uh, LFCMT is a, our Facebook group. Uh, our Twitter is uh, LFC underscore M-B-O-R-O. Instagram, LFCMT. There's any number of ways you can find us. Hell, look me up on Facebook. I'll find you. But anyway, we're just we're blessed. We're happy to be here. We're happy to be a part of this group. We're happy to be and honored to be associated with Liverpool football club. And we, uh, it's still blows from the garage days to podcast who would have ever thought it. So we're proud and we're very humble of who we are. Yeah, that is just awesome. We'll have all this information for contacts, uh, on our page for the group as well. So if you're, yeah, if you're listening, if you're ever in the Murfreesboro area, first of all, make sure you pronounce it right. Otherwise it sounds like you get a beat down. Uh, <laughs> And then, yeah, join these guys. Sure, that sound like a great atmosphere and like a positive environment overall. So, uh, JD, thanks again. And thanks to all listening. Uh, stay tuned for more Spotlight podcasts. And our regular podcast should be returning soon. I know there's no soccer right now, but it'll come back and we'll get our trophy. So, have a great day, everybody.